Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. May the 13th, 2021. This is Gino Bacola here on the Mike Abadir Show, right next to the main man, like always. And, and wow, uh, how many things do we have to discuss right now? We are coming down to the end of the NBA season. Just a few games left before uh, the playoffs begin next week. Uh, the Dodgers actually won a couple of games. Oh, my Oh my goodness. The Red Sox actually lost a couple of games. They've actually been, been playing pretty well. It's kind of surprising when they, they lose a few in a row. Uh, we got the Preakness coming up. It's not like there was anything there to talk about with Baffert, Medina Spirit, and all that. The NFL schedule was released. I mean, that's all just in the last couple of days, Mike. There is a, a ton going on right now. Absolutely. A slew going on. I think for us being horse racing fans, it's kind of a strange week because, you know, there's always that excitement going into the preakness of, you know, triple crown winner possibility. And, you know, can the horse that won the Kentucky Derby do it again? But that's all been clouded. It's been clouded by, you know, probably the best Kentucky Derby trainer of all time, the Bill Belichick of horse racing. And just like Belichick, he pushes the envelope quite a bit. And I think with a lot of fans, it's come to the point where it's won too many times. We can no longer buy your excuses. There's a flip side to the argument, which I sort of buy into actually a little bit, but I think it yields a bigger issue, Gino. Putting Baffert aside and that issue aside from the Kentucky Derby for a moment, this it has to happen now. A nationalized, one adopted format that lays all of the drug medications that are permitted, the levels allowable, and it applies to every jurisdiction, and that's it. Because this sport allows shipping in and out. There and was, if you're going to do yeah. that, then you have to have one standard. This is kind of like the Saints having one uh, standard, like 0.08 level of cocaine before suspension. And then up in Seattle, you know, they're like, oh, you could have marijuana and coke and everything. No problem. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't it wouldn't work. It's, that's what we have here in horse racing. So mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. I know a lot of people are very frustrated, probably about three or four or five different subject matters within this same event. Some it's directed at Baffert, some it's directed at racing. Where do you stand on all this, Gino? I just think nobody looks, nobody's looked good. No, that, that's, that's, that's the unfortunate thing, right? Um, I think from Saturday night when the rumor started to come out, I think of what it was. Uh, and then Sunday morning, the first thing we saw, there just been like nothing about this has made much sense to me. Just the way that you watch the process of similar things go in other sports and other industries, just in like other um, in like the real world when there's a legal problem. Generally, you don't see the person that got in trouble like making the first statement. I mean, sometimes they do to try to get ahead of it, but usually that's not a smart idea. Like a lot of times, lawyers will tell you. Don't say anything. Let things kind of play out because if you say something that you then you can't kind of go back on it because then then once you do, it sort of looks weird. 
we heard I, I don't know five or six different things between Sunday to Monday to Tuesday. Um, it was all sort of like whoever the conversation was with was something sort of. I mean, at the beginning there was the horse had never had uh, the stories changed quite a bit, um, which was was kind of like head scratching. The horse had never had this before. Then we saw interviews that said um, this was a cancel culture. We were one, some that blamed previous things on a groom and, and uh, blaming it on the industry, blaming it on us. <laughs> um, and then the next day we find out that, oh, wait, this was something that happened. I don't I just there was a lot of things to this story that I I think a lot of people had a hard time um, just kind of swallowing. And so it's it's like you uh, you were kind of hinting at this, too. It's tough to give uh, the benefit of the doubt in a situation like this when it's someone who's been a repeat offender quite some time. And um, and we've heard some things even recently saying, OK, I'm going to I'm going to do things a little differently. I'm going to do this. And unfortunately, um, any any way around this is just not good. Like there's no way to, to spin this to make it go, oh, that's fine. Or to make it go away because it's not. And <laughs> um yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I, I think I, I tweeted something similar the other day. Like, you know, a lot of people are saying things like, I'm, I'm, I'm never playing the races again or this or that. And anything that you want to do with your own money out there, like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to spend it. Um, but for me personally, you know, you and I have had plenty of conversations about racing through the, the years where I've been a little more like negative and critical and, uh, than, than you, I think, sometimes. But then other times, you know, the roles will, I guess, be different. But generally, that's how I've been a, mid- a little more recently. Um, and it just it, – I'm sour going into the weekend, you know. It's it's hard to be excited. For, uh, someone like, like me or you handicap the race is like I'll sit down when these Friday, Saturday cards on these big weekends come out and I will spend like – in, in meet like the immediately like 10 hours handicapping the card and then i will have five or six or 10 like for the derby i had 13 guests on between the two different days each to cover a stakes race and then give derby thoughts like i get so excited to talk to everybody about uh, those big races to get their opinion to kind of sh- like have them on our shows and show other people hey look at these really cool good handicappers that we have like go go follow them for stuff like it's just a cool experience and um I just don't have very much of that this week, unfortunately. You know, I, I, I feel um, a little dejected. You know, and it's not like a oh, I, I I've, I'm not naive. I, I know things like this have happened. I've this has been things have been happening like this for a long time. Uh, I just this is never like this. Never on a national scale like this in a, in a a media day and age like this. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's just really a bummer. Um, is, is the, I think I'm sad more than I'm like mad to be honest. Yeah. You, you, uh, you mentioned an interesting point about those who have been soured and make the claim that they're not going to, you know, play the races anymore. And like you said, I agree with you. You know, it's your money. You do whatever you want to do. I found that a vast majority of the people that say that end up playing again anyways, or so I thought, because the numbers have declined. They've declined considerably. And even though in some places the handle looks good, if you compare it even like to the 80s and 90s, it should be a lot higher than it is. So I think one has to really, really think twice about dismissing all those who say, I'm not going to play anymore. Now, in the Twitter world, I think if you're sucked into the horse racing world and you love horse racing, you're probably going to play anyways. 
I've heard of people having that mentality of, you know what, Gino, I'm going to handicap who are the best of the cheaters. I'm going to figure out how to win. So it doesn't really matter to me. Well, that's very blind to how about the horse? Yeah, very blind that, to exactly the animal itself, which, and which what, it all starts with. You and I are big and, animal lovers, and so with. it's a different perspective for us. You know, I have it, friends or family than members if Lance who are Armstrong's like, cheating himself, right? Because that's at the. I mean, he he he's doing it to himself. Yeah, you know that there's a, there's another kind of layer to it when when you bring like with when it comes to the animal, absolutely for sure. You know, and that's. The thing is, they, these guys can't talk, right? They can't say, oh, you gave me a little bit too much. I can't breathe that well. Or I'm um, internal bleeding, not the you are. Or, hey, uh, oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to have that stuff. If yeah, you, yeah. It's going to come up exactly. on a test. You know, they're exactly. not like, because even, and again, we're talking like giving the benefit of the doubt, you know, and, and even in that situation. So the complete benefit of the doubt is if you are telling me that um your horse that is a Kentucky Derby contending horse, a very nice horse who's never run a bad race, even though he was your third or fourth string horse, he would have been the horse of a lifetime for anybody else, you know, for like sure. a lot of other people. Um, but we, we didn't realize that the cream that we were using for the skin irritation had this steroid in it. When I think most people immediately went and looked the thing up and saw that, like it says right on the bottle. So, you know, it's like at some point, like you want to give a benefit of the doubt, but then it's it's like it's a it's a mistake. It's a mistake that happened. And even if it's a mistake that wasn't meant to happen in the most, um, um, you know, me in, in the most aggressive way, it was still a mistake. And at the very least, it's it's oversight in a situation where you really shouldn't be having like a, some sort of a oversight. Right. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. That leads me then to my next question in my line of thinking, which is, okay, so let's just think the most sinister intentions for a moment. Most who've commented, who know more about the medical side of it, have suggested that the amount that they found wasn't enough to make a difference in the race. If that's true, then why even do it in the first place? Yeah, Does and, that then give rise to, you know what, maybe he is telling the truth? Is that then, how you take it? Because I kind of do. I'm kind of well, like, the, the well, counter- if it's not going to make the difference, then why would he even do it? Maybe it is skin irritation. And the, But then the counter to that would be... Um, You're negligent what? as hell, right? That you didn't... What? That you didn't Google it like Gino did and find it in two seconds. You're negligent as hell, Baffert. Yeah, one, like... Okay, I mean, if a vet, if whoever's not realizing that that would would pu- would pop up in a year where you can't have anything, like the last couple years, the whole trying to get off of Lasix, off of all these medications with these young horses, you know, so it's not like a situation like other races where, yeah, maybe like a little overage wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like anything at all in this case, it shouldn't should be there. Um, and then two, I think another thing some people would say would um, would be it's hard not to look at um one of the things recently uh w- when um other trainers have gotten caught for for uh substances that, that horses were not supposed to have a lot of things w- that you read are it's not necessarily um the thing it comes up for sometimes those are actually masking agents for other things 
that we don't even have tests for. Hell, you're a baseball fan like me, right? I mean, we we saw it in the uh, in the in the steroid era. Like you could tell people were on something, but but they would test them and they wouldn't come up because there weren't tests for HGH yet. They were testing for something that wasn't quite there yet. That that's um what what is another you know uh, question about it. So we looked sometimes sp- like too literally at things like oh yeah this got flagged, but was that uh, something that maybe was uh, covering. So I, I don't I don't know. Um, and like I said, I'm not a vet. So th- these are like we're talking about the specifics of, of what what exactly this would do for a horse. I, I'm I don't really talk about that kind of thing because I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't. I just know what it looks like um, when you come out and say something and then two days later or a day later the story has changed. And then in between that, a story has changed a couple times. And if you're someone who whether like we are all um we are all you know the subject to a, a fair trial right due process here unfortunately though mike you know this we all know this like when you are in a some sort of a trial on trial for something anything uh, investig being investigated what your past transgressions are absolutely used against you you, you don't get like a clean slate when people look into a oh like they're gonna ha- they're gonna investigate a situation they're gonna look up Mike Abadir's history okay what kind of a guy is Mike Abadir coming into here right what other times has Mike Abadir done something wrong or right or this or that what you know and they're gonna see they're gonna talk to some people they're gonna do you know and unfortunately even if this situation was a complete accident fluke whatever there were thirty other situations that. Couldn't possibly have all been a fluke, right? So where does this leave Baffert in the historical context? It's so because hard. Because I think I put him right there with Belichick. Oh, so yeah, if you yeah. think Belichick is a cheater and and has an asterisk, then I'm going to go ahead and give Baffert the same. If you think, you know what, despite all the allegations of cheating and, and quite a bit of evidence against uh, the Patriots and, and Belichick era, um, he's still number one, then I'll agree with you. Because I think however you rank one, you got to rank the other. To me, it's very, very comparable. I just don't know the answer necessarily. I think what I do know is this. Winners find ways to win at any cost. They push boundaries. They push it to extreme limits. It's very interesting because now look, just even in our lifetime, Gino, how many we've seen the whole industry of baseball for a long time was cheating. The whole sport. I mean, like 70% of the guys were taking it, right? Look how many trainers and horse racing over the years have done so. Now this Baffert situation, there's uh, there was a big steroid epidemic in the NFL for a while. All of these, uh, Lance Armstrong, And we're just talking about the guys off the top of my head and the guys who have been caught. Is winning maybe just too sought after? Do we make it such a big deal? Yeah, I mean, it happens in every egomaniacs. Like, there isn't this like mentality of like, remember after a soccer game, stand in line, good game, good game, good game. Like, which is funny because a lot of people, like, there isn't that kind of sense at all anymore. It's funny. A lot of people would tell you, that and I, I, I don't. I mean, a lot of people would tell you that America's gotten too soft, and that it's too the other way, right? That's like you hear a complaint that people say everything gets, everybody gets a trophy, or everybody gets a participation, you know, which is which is kind of funny. Um, 
I, I agree. I I think what makes this situation to me um, just a little bit more unique than uh, the Belichick's a, a, a comparison. And one, we got to remember too, like this is still a situation that's like in flux. I, I, I'm I'm confused as to why uh, in the Kentucky Derby, the biggest race in the entire world, why if there's something that gets flagged in any horse's sample before it even got out to anyone, like. Sh- and, and I, again, I, I'm, I talked to some people about how the process works. Uh, apparently, the trainer gets to select where they want to send the split sample, if that is the case. Which, I, again, I don't understand. I guess that seems strange to me, but sure. Okay, that, that's how it goes. Um, why isn't the phone call made like immediately? Okay, oh, hey, by the way, uh, something flagged uh, for one of the horses. We have to send a split sample. Um, can you call us back within the next 12 hours? Let us know where you want, and then we'll... We are going to helicopter this sample, fly it over, have the test done right now, and then boom, we have the results. Like if there was one race to ever have to do that and to spend the money or to take whatever initiative, right, to bump some of the other things at the lab that are being tested, wouldn't that be the time? So that way we're not waiting right now and having a conversation before two days before the Preakness and still even wondering if the horse's second sample from the Kentucky Derby came back. And then he's promised to take a pre-race sample tomorrow along with a couple of other Baffert horses. So if they're going to get that sample back before he runs, how come we don't have the other sample back? Great question. I, I don't have an answer to that. Maybe that's precisely asked, why he chose the place that he chose because perhaps – their the their methodology you know how like some covid tests are immediate and then other covid tests like you get your uh, phone call or an email like 3 4 days later yeah you know so hey i'm going to pick the other covid test because i get to run tomorrow and not have to worry about it i just it doesn't a lot of it doesn't um make sense this all kind of comes back to leadership like it feels like and we've talked about this governing body whoever racing is i mean people have been saying it for 40 years it's not like it's brand new it's not like and and it's and we say it every year and we hope and then there's this horse racing integrity and safety act supposed to be coming in and who knows is this going to be kind of the same people the same places that really aren't making the the big decisions right now just kind of in a in a like a, a nice place like uh like propped up just to sort of look like they're doing something and not really making all the decisions i i don't yeah i don't know um i i don't uh it's it's a little bummer um, and, uh, and to be honest too, on top of all of the, like the negative publicity going in, there are three horses that ran in the Derby that are coming back. And the two horses that are the betting favorites, of course, are the Baffert horses. And they are like on paper, no doubt about it. The horses to beat, like hands down the horses to beat. And so if he wins this race, Medina spirit, we're going to get three weeks leading up to the Belmont with the same conversation all over the place. Like what happens if this horse wins a triple crown? Is it legitimate? Did this flat set? What happened with the next sample? Did, did, do we, I mean, just there, there are so many things going on. I wish like always with, with racing, we just have a little bit of transparency as uh, I think we get set for our our first commercial break coming up. Yeah. I want to quickly mention about the uh, trophy uh, for participation. I'm not that big on that at all. I do think we've gotten uh, very soft in a lot of areas. I was just mainly alluding to the fact that I think we've lost a sense of sportsmanship in the professional ranks. Uh, 
um, it's kind of hard to have it both ways, right? You know what I mean? Like if we want to teach them young to be soft, <laughs> it's it's funny though, you know. Like I know, yeah, I know, I, I know, but I mean, you know. when I say sportsmanship, I I mean, like think of your fellow comrades, think of your colleagues, you know. If you made this point very well several times during the last couple of years, maybe it was during the um, Red Sox uh, Astros uh, situations, but every time. You know, you have multiple people cheat, cheat in any sport. It's leaving somebody else out, right? Yeah. Out of what? Well, maybe out of a job because he didn't do steroids, so he didn't get the call up to the bigs. Yeah. Or maybe it's out of a bigger contract. Yep. You know, maybe it's point. out of a second contract. You know, he didn't get yeah. renewed because he dropped from two eighty to two twenty two batting average. Had he done roids you'd still bat 280 again this year and probably be picked up by a team manager right? lost in the playoffs again and couldn't win the big one so they exactly. went exactly all direction. those type of things then come into play and that's why i say you know maybe that's not under the umbrella of sportsmanship i kind of think it is because it's sportsmanship basically is the opposite of being selfish yeah, i agree and and it's it's you're going from more of an uh, i think integrity even like standpoint of just uh like just going like trying to get an edge and advantage I think and stuff is one thing but um but yeah it's just it's kind of gone too far to where um I think the the winning in your head you like it becomes so important that anything it, it's okay like and, and and you know that's something that we say cheating in in the industry right insider trading like big stuff all over the place right um. I think it's just you get hungry, you start winning, and then you get a little – you just want more. It's addicting. It's like a drug. It's like anything, right? You want more of it. Like, hell, didn't Tom Brady say yesterday he could play until he's 50? I think I heard that somewhere. You know? Yeah. Like, um, it is uh, – it's crazy. I'm sure It's addicting, and the greed, the greed takes over, and yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it becomes, it becomes very obsessive. You know, uh, we'll get to the commercial break here. What I'll leave you with this uh, thought is this. You know, to me, I think that there's – some things are kind of funny, right? Like trying to, you know, like in high school where maybe the field isn't that loud, like a like an NFL stadium. You try to listen in to the other huddle and pick up maybe the play or something like that. Kind of funny, kind of smart. You know, yeah, you can get whatever edge you could try to get. Um, but then if you're like hacking into the Astros email. Uh, right, completely. You know, that's, that's just a different story, right? You can. Right. That, you that, that to me is yeah. crossing the line into like besides the federal laws that are broken for you know communications act and all that kind of stuff i just mean that that crosses the line of sportsmanship dramatically yep. that takes it out of the realm of kind of innocent funny like hey you idiots you guys should be not talking so loud or protect your plays or disguise it better like everybody else to now you're way crossing the line into a full-on cheat mode i wonder where the actual line can be drawn um, smarter men than myself will have to figure that out, or women uh, will have to figure this, that out. This was perfectly like as we get to break. Just reminds me of Cora because you've told it a bunch of times how there's nothing wrong with his skills of being able to like decipher signs quickly from other teams. That there's nothing wrong with that and to relay them. Like if you're good at that, that's fine. It would just about how the the information was starting to get relayed and all that what it, what it was doing. You know, it was it wasn't just like a oh he's seeing it naturally and then it was going. There was the relay. There was the information. There was the equipment. There were the watches. They were doing all that stuff. You know, so that that is what sort of what it reminds me, right? Like you can there are guys in baseball for years that have been 
great and they've probably been on benches and gotten contracts because of how good they were at like reading signs, picking up pitches, doing things like that and giving you an advantage, you know, um, in any sport we see it, uh, Rondo reads defense is great, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so that I, I completely agree with you at that point. It's just, there's a line and it, it's fine, but it, you know, you kind of use your common sense and you can see where that line is. Some people get a little bit, uh, a little bit blinded. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, Gito, we've gone way too long, probably the longest we've ever gone in the first segment. We're about to get fired here if we don't go to break. So stay with us, everyone. Hopefully we'll have our jobs when we come right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, segment number two coming up. So, uh... We we're talking all about uh, the news, everything going on with the uh, Medina Spirit and Baffert and the Preakness leading up to the Preakness this week. Medina Spirit coming back test uh, with a test positive after the winning the Kentucky Derby. And this week we'll be in the Preakness with just two other horses that ran in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, but his main foe will actually be another Baffert runner who was more highly regarded than him. And uh, he, it's funny. He going into the Arkansas Derby was the heavy favorite, and and he loomed up in the Arkansas Derby. Looked like he was going to go on win easy. Had he done that, he would have been the favorite in the Derby. Instead, they chose to wait, point for this race, figure some things out with him. So Baffert will not only have the Derby winner with a big shot, who's the favorite here. Uh, Concert Tour is a horse who, if he ended up going off favored. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, our buddy Andrew Champagne was making a good point. I really don't have any idea what the betting is going to be like. Uh, I've heard a lot of people who are kind of soured if they, uh, about playing the race. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of people really interested in watching the race for sure. 
um, and, and see what happens uh, with all the news and the buzz and everything going on. And if you told me that Medina Spirit didn't get a lot of money because people thought he won because he was getting he had some advantage and that concert tour ended up favored wouldn't shock me if you told me that Medina Spirit gets hammered because he's probably the only horse like Andrew had said that anybody even knows this name in this field <laughs> you know like the other two horses that ran into the derby obviously but he's really the only like known horse here um i i i just think it's going to be pretty tough for uh for either one of them to lose i, I do think they're going to they're going to win and uh you know, we have a Baffert horse who's two to five in the first race on Saturday. We have a Baffert horse who's going to be the heavy favorite in the Black Eyed Susan on Friday. So uh, we could see a lot of Baffert horses winning. He won't be in the winner's circle, though. It will be his assistant trainer there who's uh, who's going to be uh, saddling everybody. Yeah, it's funny because he says that he doesn't want to take away from the attention. Quite noble of uh, Bob Baffert because I think the attention's stolen anyways. After going really on uh, ESPN, Fox whether, News. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, don't think like it matters that. whether he's there in person or not. When you're on CBS, you know, um, in the horse racing world, you, you know that it's uh, big time news. And, um, you know, he made his rounds kind of like you mentioned and tried to sort of, I guess, acquit himself in the public eye. Um, and like you mentioned, that's kind of a, a, an interesting move. It's kind of strange to move. It's very unorthodox. That's not typically how it happens, especially like right out of the gate like that. I think it was a cram job to make sure that there's absolutely no issue in running in the Preakness. And in fact, yeah. his attorney filed an injunction Just in to case. prevent the mm-hmm. Preakness stakes, to prevent Pimlico from being able to disallow Medina Spirit from running. So we're left with two Bafferts in the field. How do we play this thing? Do we even play this thing? In general, I found that the two days at Pimlico have been too chalky for my liking. Well, what I'm is sure the- there'll be like some nuggets to pick up on here and there, but typically I've spent a lot more than I should have at Pimlico. And even days when I've hit and hit and hit, I've still ended up being behind. The... What, uh, what generally ends up happening is, you know, on the Derby and the Oaks uh, days, there are those great undercard races, right? On Kentucky Oaks Friday and Kentucky Derby Saturday, there'll be yep. five or six graded stakes races that lead you up to the Oaks and lead you up to the Derby. And so you get a bunch of the really best horses in training all in their different divisions. The sprinters, the distance horses, the younger horses, the older, the turfs, you know, like the year Mark Breeders' Cup like Exactly, right? So what ends up happening is... Those horses, they don't all come back two weeks later. And so the Pimlico undercards don't quite get the strength because a lot of the horses pointed to the big races on the Derby and Oaks undercard. And then what ends up happening is those a lot of those same horses that ran on Derby and Oaks undercard weekend, they do come back on the undercard for the Belmont because that's about five weeks later. Right. So that's more. And I've always felt, by the way, that the Belmont card as a whole i have actually enjoyed more than the kentucky derby card i think so too outside of the derby itself like yeah. i really do feel the belmont is a true mid-year breeder's cup it's not totally even light agree. you know great card top to bottom yeah and that's you know most horses just don't run back in two weeks anymore so 
five weeks in between big races. Oh, great. We run on Derby Oaks week and, you know, horses are starting later and later in the year now. You know, you'll get them to start, maybe run one race in like April, prep for one of those big races. And right there in May, you come back and you run in a big race in June. And then you got, uh, you know, a couple months to, to get tuned up for the Breeders' Cup. And you don't have to worry about running two or three times really early in the year. That's sort of become a pattern for a lot of horses. And it's unfortunate because there actually are, I looked through the races a little bit. Um, I'm going to, do a, a live stream for stable duel tomorrow night. So that's what I decided this weekend. Like I'm a little soured. Um, I didn't feel like necessarily going and looking, covering every single race in complete depth, bringing on a bunch of others, but I've got some good friends over at stable duel. They've got some really big contests this week. They actually have a free contest. If people want to want to have some action and not even have to worry about spending any money. And so we'll do a live stream there tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, focus on giving them a couple hundred bucks, playing in a few of their big contests, and seeing if I can, uh, I can take home the big jackpot prizes there. Let me leave you with a uh, pick in the Preakness before we move on and Please talk uh, baseball and NFL and sports world. So, I'm I'm not decided yet on how I'm going to play this thing, but what I may do is try some like ice cold type stuff or some real world sure. narrow stuff. You know, for example, maybe. Uh, 310, 3 is Medina Spirit, 10 being in concert tour, you know, with, you know, a horse, uh, long shot, 30 to 1 type thing in second, and then a couple horses in third, and then flipping the second and third around, and maybe trying to hit it five or 10 times or something like that. So I think the long shot horse for me is going to be the winner of the El Camino coming out of Golden Gate, last out at Keeneland, and that's the number six, Rumbauer. Gets, uh, Flavor Flav's attention, Flavion Pratt. Uh, this is a Mike McCarthy horse. And when you look at his performance so far in his young career, uh, he's he's done done pretty well. He's outrun his odds just about every time. So if you guys out there take a look at that, you'll see what I'm talking about. Typically outruns his odds. I know everybody's going to come back at me and say very light on the speed figs. But, hey, man, how many times have we seen that these youngsters keep getting better and better? They're going from... You know, a 12-year-old to, like, 18. It's all, yep. you know what I mean? Like, that type of jump. So, to see huge jumps in speed figs is not at all uncommon. So, that's going to be my price horse, G, the number six. I know yes. you're going to spend a lot more time on this, and that's what G said. But yeah, uh, that's any, what Andrew, any prices uh, that you'd like? Yeah, Andrew likes uh, the six a little bit, too. But he he liked Ron Bohr, uh, as a horse. It's funny. When he won the El Camino, he thought that Ron Bauer was a horse who had a big shot in the Belmont. And he ran really well in the in the Bluegrass last time out. Um, sure. For me, the the horse who I think is just going to run well, um, I think he's going to. I think we can just put a line right through his last race, and then look at how you would sort of treat him coming into this race if that was the case. Okay. Um, the nine risk taking. Okay. He just he just never he was favored in the wood. He just had a slow start. And he just never got into it. And if you excuse that race, and he had progressed nicely, winning his last two starts, uh, going longer, like I don't think he ha- will have any problem with the distance. If for some reason we get horses like. Uh, you know, the Baffert horses, they both have speed too. That's a big part of this, right? Like who who's going, who's sitting is Medina spirit going to sit and let concert tour go. Probably, um, what midnight bourbon, what are they going to do with Irad jumping aboard? I can't imagine they want to be too far out of it. That's the case. You get the three horses that are the most likely winners all kind of going at it early. They go a little too quick. Somebody's coming from the back and I don't know if risk taking necessarily has to be dead last which I, I like about him too. You know, he can maybe sit a little bit more middle of the pack. So um, he'd be the one who I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at. He's, he's a nice price. So anytime. An intriguing, like, an intriguing one to, uh, that, that's to me is a must use in the tries and supers as well. 
is the uh, number seven, France Go de Ina. Total France wild Go card. De Ina. Uh, just because of the unknown. Total wild card. And uh, you get a very capable pilot jumping aboard. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, 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 intrigue there this weekend. Even if you're not going to be putting a whole bunch of money into it, I'm sure a lot of people are curious what results we will, uh, we will see. But Mike... I want to talk a little bit of baseball because I'm pretty pumped. Um, I, we have just a couple minutes left. Do we want to take a break and then come back and talk baseball for the final segment? Yeah, why don't we take a quick commercial yeah. break right now? We'll come back and talk a little baseball. I know you got a lot of thoughts about your boys in blue, Red Sox. We'll maybe do a little bit of power rankings and see who we got at the top of the MLB list. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, so we'll finish things up talking a little baseball. I'm, I'm excited. I'm doing some work uh for a website called a uh, better than dot Vegas where I'm doing like daily plays now some videos so daily baseball stuff and then NBA playoffs coming up uh, just started the last few days and um, I so you know paying a little bit more attention to every day every matchup every every everything instead of sort of kind of looking at them uh, after a couple days and seeing what's happened for some of the games that I missed and being able to watch games a little bit more now with some of the uh, the, the packages that I that I have so um, the the Team that, that is uh, pretty intriguing to me right now, Mike, is not necessarily even uh, your team or my team. It's a team that won uh, again today and is quietly kind of just got to the point where they're twenty three and fifteen, and they may have the best pitcher in baseball right now. I'm talking about the St. Louis Cardinals, and Flaherty won his seventh 
consecutive start today. He won a game where Corbin Burns was actually making his return earlier uh, today after he had missed a couple starts. He, he had like 53 walks, uh, 53 strikeouts without a walk. We had a really cool like old school pitchers battle between those two. But but the Cardinals are a team that always are just kind of there, you know, and quietly again they're. There again, three games up in the central right now and playing really good baseball. I think they went on a stretch where they had um, like 14 out of 17 games at home and they ended up winning uh, in that stretch. They went 13 and four and they basically like really like stamped themselves as a major contender again. They're getting great starting pitching. Reyes has been a shutdown closer for those guys. Um, they get some timely hitting, but timely I don't think Aaron they've Otto. even. But I don't think they've even like erupted offensively. No, that's what's kind of scary. Some timely hits to get some wins, but I mean, if you look at the scores uh, up and down, I mean, most of these scores are are very low scoring. Uh, I just pulled it up here right now. One, two, three. It looks like five games in a row. Had you played the under, you'd win, right? Two zero, four one. There's another two zero against the Rockies. Six to one is the highest scoring game. In the last five, then there was a, a, a big scoring game of nine to eight. And then before that, again, 5-0, 4-1, You know, it's like they're due for an offensive explosion. And if their pitching continues to be lights out like this, they're going to be a very, very formidable team in a division that was hard to come up with a clear-cut leader, doesn't you know, it funny? favorites. Doesn't it right now feel like... A long time ago, from when the Reds felt like they were scr- like scoring all those runs. Yeah, no kidding. Or, right, and they're and like like right now, doesn't it really does feel like the Cards and the Brewers are are like worlds ahead of everyone in that Central, even though it's so early and things could absolutely change in a week or two. But it just kind of feels to me like, oh, it's going to be one of those two teams. I, I can't see it any other way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think we kind of know who everybody else is in this division. I think so. It. It. it and uh, the Brewers are, are solid. Today was a, uh, a was a, a perfect game to catch the Brewers too because they had uh, Burns coming back to catch the the Cardinals against the Brewers. They had Burns coming back, and he talked about how he had COVID. But he didn't have any symptoms, but he still couldn't be around anyone. So the only workouts he could do was like use dumbbells in his room, in his like his home, and then he could go to this little grass field that was next door and throw into a net. Not exactly the same kind of a workout that you would have at the stadium, you know? Or no, like, not at all. When you're with the team, <laughs> and so he's just a little bit not quite sharp at the beginning, gives up a run in the first inning. And the problem, the great Brewers bullpen, they had used Hader um, four out of the last five days. He wasn't going to pitch. And a day game after a night game, they had used Williams four out of the last five night days. Uh, he wasn't going to pitch on the same thing. So it was a, it was like going to be just a really tough spot. You, the Brewers are going to have to play awesome today, and, and they weren't going to be able to do that against uh, Flaherty. So that was a really good matchup in the Central. But it looks like it's been a good start at least to uh, the day as we're recording this for the Red Sox because they're up, I think, 5 nothing uh, last I looked in the second inning uh, early on. And the Yanks are down 2 nothing to Tampa because just after uh, a three-game Boston losing streak and uh, a four-game Yanks winning streak, now the Yankees and the Blue Jays are just a, a game behind Boston heading into Thursday. 
it's kind of crazy because the Yankees' record was abysmal. Uh, worst Horrible. record in the American League, I believe, just three like weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yep. all of a sudden they're four games above 500. So uh, that's baseball for you. The inverse of that is uh, my my long shot team, the Kansas City Royals, losing eleven in a row, and uh, they've even put out their stopper, their ace pitcher. They've scored some runs. They can't put it together on any given day when you lose 11 in a row. Those kind of things are killers. They've scored 31 runs teams. in those 11 games. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a killer when you're like maybe an average team that's playing well. That kills your season. That's it. They're done. An 11-game losing streak can absolutely kill you. Now from here on, I mean, you're going to have to – not that their record is, is is terrible or anything like that. But psychologically, as well as, you know, uh, how well the White Sox are playing, the Indians are hanging really tough. They swept in four straight series. They just got swept by the Tigers. Yeah. And yeah. here's why they're even in more trouble. Because the, the only team that was expected to win that's doing worse than them is in their <laughs> own division. That's the Minnesota Twins. That you, and I think that they're going to get hot at some point because they're just too talented. So the Royals are now really up against it. Had they even gone like four and seven, they'd be okay. Yeah, you just they'd, they'd still be five hundred. Eleven straight like that. Eleven. And today was one of those where it's like uh, um, they were down in the, they were down early. It was four nothing, and then it was four one late, and then in the last inning, all of a sudden they get two on with nobody out, and then they score one, and then they score two, and it's four three, and they got a chance to, to take the lead, and you get out. That's just what ends up happening when you're struggling. You get these false comebacks. You get this like sense of hope. That was happening with the Dodgers. Oh my gosh, we get, we got to talk a little bit about them, and we can got to bounce around. And we'll bounce back to Boston, but because the Dodgers went on a stretch where they were five and fifteen over twenty games, they were two and eight over a ten game stretch. And the craziest thing about that stretch was, in the two games they won, one of them they scored sixteen runs, the other one they scored fourteen runs. And in the eight games they lost, they scored nine. <laughs> the strange thing also about the Dodgers' season so far is a vast majority of their wins have just come against the Rockies. Well, if you if you look at the the, the just their schedules so far, um, so to me that's really interesting because you know they're going to have an opportunity. They still have what like nineteen more against the Giants and maybe like what. 15 more against the Padres or something like that. Well, they played the Padres a, a ton early. They played so maybe it's less than 15. Maybe it's like 12. I think they have eight. I think they have eight left against the Padres because I think they've split with the Padres or the the Padres are up on them like four three or, or slightly up in the series because they beat them the first time and they came back. Um, they played Seattle, Cincy, the Brewers, but uh, they just honestly the for the Dodgers over the last couple weeks it wouldn't have mattered who they played. They were losing. They, they were finding ways to lose. Um, Mookie starting to get a little like the, the I think um, a game that may be a game we circle uh, to look back on, Mike, for the Dodgers. If, uh, in fact, they do go on a nice little stretch here, they've won two games in a row. Um, it was the game the other night. They were down. It was the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth. And Gavin Lux came up. And Gavin Lux is a player for the Dodgers who has been one of those untouchable prospects. One that has been, uh, hell, he's been in a lot of trade rumors through the years, but they've decided never that he was one that they were going to build around. He was a guy that they thought was 
it was definitely in the conversation with the Seegers and the Bellingers and the Buellers and the and you know the the prospects that they have heavily heavily coveted. And to be fair, he's not been good. Like he, period. When he's been in the big leagues, he hasn't been good. Um, he's been fine defensively. Offensively, he's he's just not. And he got the biggest hit of his career the other night. Uh, he got a big home run to bring the Dodgers back and get a win. And it and he turned around and said, "Let's effing go!" You know, and he's kind of a a young, quiet guy. That was a big moment for him. They won that game. They come back and win another game. And now all of a sudden, just the way that you kind of feel feels a little bit different, right? Like you flip on the game last night and they win seven to one, and they're they're kind of just capitalizing early. It feels a little bit different. Um, so maybe if they go on a nice two-week stretch. This could be one of those games in the middle of the year. Remember, we did it with Washington a couple years ago where we circled like one or two games when Trey Turner came back. And like from this moment, that's when they went on a, a run. Maybe this could be a moment for the Dodgers. We'll see how they uh, if they can capitalize over the weekend now because uh, they had a day off today on Thursday. Yeah, so I, I don't like to throw out necessarily numbers without being able to back it. So the Dodgers have seven wins against the Rockies. Against the rest of baseball, they are thirteen and sixteen. Yeah, interesting. Like, see, it's I don't think it has anything to do. the The Dodgers would have lost to the Rockies had they played the Rockies over the last few weeks. Um, the Dodgers would have. So it just they're playing bad. It doesn't they, matter. It who wasn't. Playing yeah, against. it wasn't like them them beating. At the beginning up on of the year, it could have been the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Cardinals. And they'd have they would have won those games. Yep. Because they yeah, played well. They're not playing well right now. Their players. That to me is a little bit of an enigma. Still, that they're not, especially too, because uh, looks like Kenley Jansen's kind of found himself a little bit again. He's got the best uh, batting average against of any reliever in the National League, which I think was like point eighty five. Um, which uh, and it's it's honestly it was a, a bad stretch of baseball games. Like nobody was playing very well on the offensive side of the ball at, at the all at the same time. Uh, a couple different injuries, just a a lull really early on in the season. I, I never really was worried about anything because um, they were one thing that they've always been they still been doing is they've been getting on base. They just haven't been able to score. I believe they were they are dead last in getting the runner getting a runner home from third right now. And I think they're bottom four when there is a runner in scoring position. Um so it, it's just some of those things that it's like, wow, how can you get so many guys on, have talented players, and then not get them in? It's you feel like in a 30 you know, 35 game sample size that that'll even out. Maybe it doesn't. Some years teams are just really bad with runners in scoring position and really good. Um, I don't think this is the team that we're going to look at and say was like a historically bad team. So I'd imagine the Mookies, the Muncies, he's starting to warm up a little bit. He's had home runs in a, a couple games in a row. Uh, Mookie's back up into like the 260 range. He was down in like 240 for a while, which is not Mookie at all, you know. Um, so I, I imagine uh, th- they'll be okay. I'm not quite. Worried about them yet And uh, especially after getting a couple wins Right now you just got to sort of stack them early Keep the good energy So I'm going to give you a really quick uh, Top 5 power ratings in baseball The way I see it right now It's not the way that I think it's going to finish up But I'm looking at who is playing the best baseball today And I'm going to have to go with the White Sox in first I know that's kind of been a team that you've been on For a couple of years now White Sox would be my number 1 Followed by the Oakland A's 
St. Louis Cardinals right there. They got a plus 27 run differential. Winners of seven out of their last 10. Like you talked about earlier, they are really balling. And then the uh, Gigantes. I, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But the Giants are in my fourth slot. And rounding out the top five are the Cleveland Indians who continue to play well. They're kind of uh, you were, you were Tampa North, too. I guess. Yeah, Tampa you were high North. on them in the, on the That's What G Said yeah. podcast, uh, you, preview. You thought they were going to be better. You were, you were much higher on them than I was. They've been playing some really good ball. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could... I don't think I could really disagree with any of the teams that you said. Um, it's just kind of funny because we don't have the Dodgers in there, or, the Yankees, well, and, the Red Sox, and we both, we, the and, I, and I think at the end of the year, the Dodgers and the Yankees and probably the Red Sox too, their pitching isn't quite as good, but their lineup is damn, damn good right now. Like that might be a lineup that can really carry them. I, I tagged you on a Devers uh, article yep. the other day that I thought you would like because it's even talking about how he's been unlucky. Like he should be hitting like 340 right now, which yeah. is absurd. Um, so Nobody we only scored have more uh, runs in the major leagues than the Red Sox so far. No, and they're so. first in batting average, slugging, um, just the things that they, they should be good at this year. They, oh, they are. Um, and we only have about, a uh, two minutes or so left in the show, Mike, but huge weekend coming up and, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it over the next few weeks, but the NFL schedule is out now, uh, with that extra game. So that's always something that people love looking at and, uh, and kind of diving into and seeing how their individual teams are going to be, or maybe planning a trip to one of those games now that people will probably be able to get the opportunity to go to a lot of these games. Once the season starts, how about some cool matchups in week one, we get uh, things rolling with the Packers at St. Uh, at New Orleans against the Saints. And that's going to be the dawn of a new era for the uh, New Orleans Saints. We haven't seen another quarterback be the uh, starter in NOLA uh, since the mid-2000s. Breeze has been the guy at the helm the whole time. And uh, obviously the Rodgers situation is kind of in flux. I still think that he's going to be, uh, you know, the quarterback for the pack. But who the heck knows? This soap opera has taken a few turns and twists. Maybe both are ushering in a new era of quarterbacks. The other cool matchup, too, is the uh, Ravens and the Raiders. Two black uniform teams, two very different type of teams, the way they're constructed. But that should be a lot of uh, fun watching that matchup as well. Quick boxing note. Hope everybody enjoyed some of the things we talked about last weekend because I'm really high on the Cuban flash if anybody watched that fight, number six ranked heavyweight in the world, and uh, it was a weird fight, ended up getting stopped in round six. Worth watching on uh, on replay. I think it's free. And then this weekend, there's another championship fight between Neri and Figueroa, which should be a really good matchup. Neri is a little bad man, so that should be a fun matchup as well. I believe that's on Showtime for this weekend, G. That's going to be, for me, the uh, topper after the Preakness, so I'm looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, big weekend uh, coming up. We'll have uh, NFL. Next time we talk, uh, we'll know what the playoff matchups are going to be for the NBA. Those playing games are going to be early next week. Um, we'll know if there's going to be uh, a kind of strange opportunity at a triple crown question mark. We'll see. You know, uh, we'll just have a lot to digest. By uh, things are moving so quickly in the world of sports. So every every seven days when we uh, we talk, so many things have changed, Mike. No doubt about that. And I got to mention it because I've become such a crypto-obsessed guy here. Uh, 100X is going to be sponsoring the uh, Nary team. So he's going to be donning uh, 100X boxer briefs at the weigh-in tomorrow. First ever uh, sponsorship on the underwear. That's how 100X rolls, G. So check it out. Let me know what you guys think of that fight. 
and have a tremendous sports weekend. I hope you have a winning Preakness and Black Eyed Susan cards for all our listeners. Have a great sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.